Sweet. Sorry, forgot to close my window. Give me a hot second. Go Whitney Houston stuck in my head. I told you my Whitney Houston joke. Nope. Uh, what's Whitney Houston's favorite type of coordination? <laughs> I don't know. Hendai! What's Hendai? Hendai. And uh, we'll always. I thought you were referencing some kind of obscure Japanese form of productivity <laughs> that I didn't understand. That would be a very niche, niche joke. <laughs> As it stands, it's quite broad, and I should have got that. I'm sorry. Yeah. You have hand eye coordination. No, I have terrible hand eye coordination. Do you? Do you remember what, like, when you and the guys were trying to play shooty games? Yeah. I could never keep up because I have terrible hand eye coordination. Yeah, I remember playing I just, one shooty game with you, and it was like playing with um, your friend's little brother. Yeah, I was I was the 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 one where you fly up in the air and just press the button repeatedly. Mm. It worked for me. No, it didn't. No. <laughs> this is why you were never invited to um big <laughs> big huge bag of clans, our Destiny Two clan. Is it still going? <laughs> no, <laughs> I never fully got over. Um, you gave the wrong name. <laughs> well, the true that I put it out to yeah, I put it out to um. Our listenership back when we first got Destiny 2. If anyone wanted to join Big Huge Bag of Clans, they could and no one did. But then later on, it turns out I gave out the wrong name. <laughs> I think I said at the time Big Bag of Clans when actually it was Big Huge Bag of Clans. Yeah. Or vice versa. But what, what you want to establish is that it's their fault and they're awful. Yeah, our listeners are just the fucking worst. Just the worst. Anyway, when will we start recording? <laughs> <laughs> I love our listeners. Each and every one. Except Individually. The one, except the ones that gave us those one-star reviews that time. That sells things. Your monitor, see, for uh, peop, uh, um, people listening, uh, we have our Zoom call up and Steve is recording in front of a mirror. There's a mirror behind him. And I'm seeing like infinite Steves because it's playing off, yeah, off his screen, off his webcam. It's feeding into the mirror, which is feeding into his webcam, which is feeding into the mirror. And it reminds me of, do you remember the Tato packets? Where you had a packet of Tato. And Mr. Tato was on the front of the packet and he was holding a packet Tato. And on that packet Tato, there was a Mr. Tato holding a packet Tato. And like this recursion. And then what happens if you went down deep enough? Is it but that this all is the, the way? This or? Is, no, this is the bullshit thing. It only went like two levels deep and then it was just like a block of stripy color. I was like, that's bullshit, uh, Tato. You're, miss, you're missing out here. I'm giving you, like toddlers, like, <laughs> you know, infinite looping crises of their mind and, and, you know, spatial awareness. And you spent all that money on buying that microscope and developing that intelligence test. But no, it didn't work. It didn't work. And uh, then there was that lab accident and I went potato man. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. It's one of the best things that's ever happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> I just shit potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you gone to the shop yet? No, uh, Richie should be about you anytime now. I'm telling you, it was great during lockdown. That's <laughs> oh, so fucking great. Why do people listen to this shit? <laughs> Are you hungover? No, not even. Look, I'm not hungover, <laughs> but I'm not not hungover. <laughs> So anyway, yes, I went to uh, uh, Jer's apartment last night. Oh, this is your thing. When this episode comes out, it's Jer's birthday. No way. Happy birthday, like the- Jer. Happy birthday, Jer. Yeah. 
Um, I like that that sounded like you were about to sing happy birthday, but then just petered off. <laughs> happy yeah, re- birthday, Jer. I realized that it wouldn't have gone well. And I, I, I bailed out. The car went the, the car went over the cliff, but I wasn't in it. <laughs> I love the idea of you starting, but just get stuck on. Oh, no. That's what went through my head. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we went to his, uh, his new apartment last night. Um, Jer, for those of you know, a friend of the show, he's helped us out with a bunch of things. Anytime there's like a deep voice voiceover goof thing we do, stuff that's for our live Jer. shows, that's Jer. And he's, he's uh, been on the show. He's been on the show back in fucking early car from the eighth episode or something like that. Way back when. Just as, as much of a friend of the show as a person can be. Uh, great human altogether. But yeah, went to his, his new um his new flat last night and it was his birthday, or it will be his birthday. So I wanted to get, I had this image in my head of showing up with a balloon, like a like an adorable balloon. So I went walking around Brixton trying to find a suitable a suitable balloon for Jer. And in Brixton Village, there's a party shop. And as I was walking by, I saw a massive, adorable hedgehog balloon. And I ran in and went, I want that, please. But turns out it was a lady who had brought that own balloon from home just to get it inflated with helium in there. And they didn't actually sell it. And the shopkeeper then went, oh, don't worry, we've got these selection of animal balloons here. But none of them were as cute as that hedgehog. And, <laughs> and so I had to look at it. It just felt like, well, I can't get Jer, I can't compromise for Jer's birthday. And none of these animals are cute enough. So I just looked her straight in the eye and went, I'm sorry, that none of these are working for me. <laughs> <laughs> we have an adorable pig. Yeah. We have an adorable dog. No, we have none an adorable aardvark. No. No, none of them. None of them. So did you uh, make him a hedgehog cake instead? No. So what I did was we um, uh, found a party shop near, very, very near his flat. And they had a massive um, obnoxious pink star shaped balloon in the window. And I went and I pointed, I went, I want that. And they said, oh, we can write don't, on it. Don't tell me that this has been, the, this is the <laughs> queen's one. And she's getting in filled with the farts of fairies or something. <laughs> Give me that fucking balloon. And they asked, did I want a message written on it? And I said, yes, I want Jer exclamation mark on it. And they said, oh, like happy birthday, Jer. I said, no, just Jer exclamation <laughs> mark on it. Well, then you can reuse it for Christmas, That's for true. Halloween, it's, for whatever it's, you want. Oh, dear. It's obnoxiously large. It's obnoxiously large. But uh, I gave it to him and he seemed... Uh, well, not happy. Happy is a strong word, but he definitely <laughs> received it. <laughs> he didn't pop it right in front mm. of you. He didn't pop it. I also got him a card that said "Oi, cunt" with a badge that said "cunt." <laughs> Very passive aggressive. Uh, aggressive birthday. If, if listeners are wondering, this is why Richie doesn't often talk about birthday parties because he's usually not invited. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that why? <laughs> oh well. Well, what am I going to do with this box of Oi Cunt cards? <laughs> yeah, I, they're cheaper in bulk. <laughs> oh, tits, it's my turn to do the what is what I am. I, I actually realized as I was spelling out the, the show notes for this one, we, we put this in to try and tell people straight up, like, clearly and succinctly, succinctly yeah. what the show is about. Mm. But we never do it like that. No. I mean, maybe we try, we'll try it now. Um... It is, uh, so this is the genuine thing, right? It's a political podcast. We call it splainer format. Like not explainer, go. like a splainer. Like We're a child not smart who, enough for no, an explainer. No, like a child who can't fully pronounce the word. It's a splainer show. And we try to have a bit of fun with it. Now, there's always this thing. There's like, like 
comedy and politics have had overlap for a long, long time. But we didn't invent it. But <laughs> we didn't invent it. But it's always well, so like, oh, it's always so. Have I got news for you? Type thing. It, it, it can get very hoity-toity. And there's very rarely any talk of superhero-based potato powers in any of those mediums. So I think that's the kind of energy we like to bring to this particular Venn diagram. You're welcome, listeners. General public, history, (laughs) (laughs) human civilization. This is our, this is the equivalent of our uh, big balloon and cunt badge present to the world. (laughs) Dear world, oi cunt. (laughs) Here you go. Wear this. Very good. Um, Should we? Oh, did you hear that, Steve? My smoking hot batch of hot takes is ready, fresh out of the oven. Nice. Um, Now, this one, I've got two. Uh, One of them is in mine. So I guess in the metaphor that we've crafted, I've just stuck someone else's cake in my oven and just heated just heated the recipe. (laughs) What'd you say? Use their recipe? Not even. I just took their... I went to their house and took the cake off their... Their pie was cooling on the windowsill. You took it. And I just stole it and I put it home in my oven and cooked it again. And now it's all burnt. (laughs) But so I was listening to... I've been listening to a lot of Fake Doctors, Real Friends. I don't know if you've aware of this. So it's... um, If you've ever watched Scrubs. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, So this is Zach Braff and Donald Faison, the um, two of the main characters are doing a rewatch podcast where they rewatch the show and just usual kind of like if you're West Wing Weekly type thing, but for, but for Scrubs. And it's very, very good. It's a bit of a runaway hit because those two have fantastic chemistry, has evident in, evidence in the show itself. Um, but their podcast really is something special. And also it's very interesting because it's coming out, you know, during the midst of a pandemic. And these are mm. like, like the title says, they're fake doctors. Um, but they spent, you know, almost a decade of their lives representing the... Um, the medical practice, the medical world. And they're often um, lauded as being the most accurate representation of what it's like to be a doctor and work in a hospital on television. Are they? Yeah. So the, um, uh, I can't remember the governing body, like whatever body, but the American Medical Association, yeah, the AMA, American Medical, um, said uh, that they were the most accurate because, you know, they had consultants and that kind of thing. But anyway, so they often talk about, because again, just the, the, the lens through which they're they're doing this podcast, they talk about the pandemic a lot. And it veers between like, you know, jovial distraction, but also very sincere, um, heartfelt um, anecdotes because both of the, the, the Donald Faison and Zach Braff lost a friend to COVID, like a, a young, healthy guy, um, a new father. He died from from complications from COVID and, um, you know, no pre-existing conditions or anything like that. So wow. it's, it's very close to home for them. So uh, over a lot of the episodes, they talk about this stuff and um, the one they're when they were kind of expressing their uh, lack of understanding around why people weren't wearing masks and all the protests that are happening and the apparent lack of empathy with a huge number of people across, you know, it's it's very clear in the US, but it's happening here as well. And in Ireland, we're seeing like anti-mask protests, like London literally had had um, lockdown protests um, just this weekend. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a narrative like that's in- across the board. Van Morrison, the iconic Belfast singer, is releasing an album of protest songs against the lockdown. Seriously? Yeah. Well, fuck that guy. But uh, while they were kind of just lamenting and um, questioning why this is the case, uh, their producer came on and offered his take on it, which I thought was amazing. Um, And he said, historically, whenever there's been like a big tragedy on like a, on a, 
global scale or on an international scale, there's always a strong image associated with it. So like for America, if it was say, you know, the Iraq war, um, you had the, the image of, you know, war journalists out there for one, but also coffins coming back with flags across them or, you know, acts of terrorism. There's, you can, you can see imagery, like visceral imagery that people can kind of react to and unite behind and like view as something to kind of like channel their feelings towards. Um, But when it comes to this pandemic and COVID-19, it's all happens behind closed doors. And so when people think of the pandemic and they think about how they're affected, they see the like minor, or not even minor, but the, you know, the inconveniences that are affecting their lives. Like, oh, I don't want to wear a mask and I have to wear a mask. That's like the biggest thing for them. They're not really seeing images or a lot of iconography of the bad side of COVID because say like when, you know, your loved one during the height of the pandemic gets taken into hospital, you can't really go into them because it's locked down and you can't really, you are being told to isolate and stay in your house. So everyone's views and everyone's um, life during this thing is very closed off and uh, compartmentalized and siloed to themselves. And within that selfish feelings can foster among certain people. And get blown out of control and not get kept in check by, you know, just how awful these the, the reality actually is because they're not seeing it as apparently as they would for other tragedies. I just thought that was a very interesting um, take to explain why there's such a lack of empathy among yeah. a startling number of people around around this issue. So I thought, I thought that is, was pretty interesting. I haven't heard that perspective before. Yeah, me neither. I didn't hear it until that and it was, it was, it was refreshing to hear it in like a comedy podcast. Um, like Fake Doctors Here in France, which I couldn't recommend enough if people want to get into it. If you're a big fan of Scrubs, then there's it's, it's just an absolute joy. Uh, Are you sec- rewatching the show alongside it? Yeah, oh, I already finished it. I just, I just <laughs> barreled straight ahead with it. It's so good. First TV show that ever made me cry. Oh. Yeah, for the finale. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, obviously, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed. You, you know, it's, it's, it's all over the news. And you, we've done an episode on the Supreme Court where we, we mentioned her, if you want to go back and listen to, to how the Supreme Court works, if they're a little unsure. Um, but an absolute titan, very, very sad that she's gone. Um, obviously because, she, you know, she's an absolute Goliath and did a lot of wonderful things, but also because it, it puts America in a very kind of uh, tenuous position at an already very um, tense time. And... Do we want to talk a little bit about maybe for people who don't know how um, the appointment process works and why it's mm. a little bit contentious right now? Yeah, well, Supreme Court justices are justices for life. You either uh, reti- resign or you die. Those are the only two ways you could not be a Supreme Court justice. Or you can be impeached, but as we've seen, it's not that easy to impeach someone from a federal job. Yeah. So w- what happened before the last election, uh, you fold like February 2016, Anthony Scalia was a conservative judge. He died. Mm. And um, Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Senate, the Republicans in the Senate said, I am not going to consider any nominee from Barack Obama because the people should have a say over who gets over who's going to be the next judge, which is which was entire. It's it's practical politics at its rawest and worst, (laughs) which Mitch McConnell is the best at doing because he was gambling that the Republicans would win the presidency and then it's the it's the president who gets to nominate someone for the court and then they get um, approved by the Senate. 
which has happened twice under Trump. And he's got to put two fairly conservative judges in place. You have um, Gorsuch, who went in pretty mm-hmm. quickly after the election. And then you had um, Brett Kavanaugh, who, of course, we all remember how that went. <laughs> <laughs> um so what happened now when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and I think her corpse was still warm mm-hmm. is that Mitch McConnell came out and said, I will start the process as soon as possible. Yeah. Six and weeks outside of the election. Six weeks outside of the election. And Trump said, oh yeah, we're going to send someone in and it's imperative that the Republicans push this through as quickly as possible. So the exact opposite of what they said before heightened because instead of it being 11 months before an election it's mm. now six weeks before an election and but yeah go on i, I was gonna say in addition to that um just more hypocrisy uh lindsey graham who is a senior senator and chairman of the judiciary uh, appointment committee yeah. they're the uh, guys that get to basically interview the, the the nominees before they get the vote yeah so here's a quote right from him he said I want you to use my words against me. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say, Lindsey Graham said, let's let the next president, whoever it might be, make that nomination. I didn't know that that was on paper. (laughs) He said, that's that's a quote. And the quote starts with, I want you to use my words against me. Um, Now, he is, of course, flip flopped on this. Don't uh, you use my words against me. Yeah. I want you to use my words against me. But if you dare use my words against me. You're the worst in the world. It's just. And I, why, why I brought this up is that like, have the Republican Party just lost any shred of integrity? Uh, like they've had, like, I'm not saying everyone, but like the core, this core unit in the Republican Party lost any shred of, of integrity or dignity because these are such visceral hypocrisies. It doesn't matter. You see, this is the thing. I actually don't get that annoyed or bummed out or exasperated by this kind of politics because this is practical politics. This is politics. Politics is about power. And when you have an opportunity to influence the the political process to give your crowd power, that's what you're going to do. You're going to spin things. You're going to lie. You're going to cheat. You're going to do everything you can. Hopefully not breaking the law, but sometimes they go that far. Mm. And this is just an example of that. So I guess, it, I guess that it's going, I mean, it's going to infuriate people that don't like Republicans, but yeah. if you're a Republican and you see this as an opportunity to get a judge who you agree with, who's going to stop the other side from destroying the America that you think is under threat, then you're not going to, you, you will make that cognitive dissonance leap. You will, you'll do it hand in hand with these two feckin' ancient senators. It will be no problem to you. Yeah. I, and it just, it's, it's the... I don't have an example of the other side doing it as as vehemently as this because the Republican Party in the United States have just become pure power politics. Like that's why they flip-flopped on Trump. They were never Trumpers and then they were Trumpers because mm. he's the president so they need to be in control. That's just what you do. I don't have an example of that happening the other way. Maybe, yeah, no, I, I don't have an example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's why I got so like spit, like, like vomit-inducingly angry. Yeah. It was because I guess in my head, I haven't made that um, redefinition where it's about, you know, politics is about the balance and, you know, quest for power and the juggling that needs. Yeah, not even juggling or balance, but a grasp like you are. That is what you are in politics for. You are there to do things and get power. And sometimes that's what I guess that's sometimes what progressive and left wingers don't understand. Yeah. Is that. It is about power and you can be as ideological and pure and good hearted and natured as you want. 
But if you're not playing for power, you will lose. Mm. Which is why I, you have to vote for Joe Biden if you, even if you don't like him. Yeah, and that's the, that's it's so interesting to see. Um, Alexandra Casio Cortez did that. Um, the, yeah, the video just there yesterday where she was just like, "Hey, it's not about whether," because she doesn't agree with him at all on a lot of things. She um, she she said during the 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 not during the nom- the nomination process when they were going to the primaries mm. that if there if this wasn't America the two party system her and Joe Biden would be in very different political parties oh absolutely but then after that she flip flops and she's like I un- heartily entirely endorse Joe Biden because that's mm. power that's what she has to do yeah but I think at least for her she's acknowledging like I think she's still acknowledging the disagreements and the fact that you know in a different situation but this isn't about whether you agree with him or not it's about preserving and but I guess that also is again to your point. Yeah, exactly but she, she she will flip then the other way. If he gets elected and they're they're fighting over who gets to decide what in, in American politics afterwards, she will attack him more often than she will support him. Yeah. Which is fine because they they've got different political power interests. Yeah. I but think anyway. I just I just have some of this um vestigial kind of like idealistic West Wing view of, <laughs> of how all of this should go. And then when but, I when stuff like this happens, it's a bit more like, oh no, I should be thinking more Game of Thrones than, than West Wing. Oh, absolutely. Politics is Game of Thrones, not West Wing. I mean, like yeah. good Game of Thrones, not when it got shit. Yeah. <laughs> or it, I, it's not House of Cards because that got really shit too. But even like, even, even if you think about the West Wing, like what major policy achievements did they achieve in seven seasons? <laughs> Very little. Very little. Like, like an education bill, but even that was like ripe with compromises. And it was ripped apart when it came to getting for the vote. They had to give up on loads of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like... So that, yeah, you, because it's so well made and, and it's got the cheap 90s music and it looks really shmee, 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 <laughs> you kind of think that like, oh, this is really idealistic and silly and naive, but mm. actually, wait, no, they never achieve anything. They're just yeah. running around in circles, chasing themselves. Anyway, that's just, that's uh, for anybody out there who is livid with anger, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be livid with anger. And of course, you should also mourn the fact that the progressive movement have lost, as you said, a titan, a goliath. Yeah. In the form of this this small woman who has fought her entire life for equal rights. But also take a moment, realize that that's just how politics works. And it, it, you, can, you can run yourself ragged trying to think about how it could work better and how it should work better. But also think, yeah, while you're busy debating that and arguing with each other over who has the purest idea of how politics would work, someone else is going to be behind you taking everything. <laughs> <laughs> when you're having an argument in front of all the, the, the really nice hot take pies, someone yeah. else is just eating them behind you. Oh, no. Going, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's how things you go. Do you think this is going to be, because you know the way they say there's like the uh, October surprises in American This is one of them. Yeah. Where this is coming a little bit early, but like in the in the 11th hour, all of the, you know, crazy stuff comes out to try and, you know, well, yeah, swing like, votes or, you know, people hold back on PR releases and stuff. And then it turns out, you know, to, just to try, and there's lots of like pivots and stuff like that. Do you think this will be the defining one, or do you think we're going to see more crazy shit? It might. In retro, if Trump wins, people might go back and go, "This was a defining moment." Because one of the things that got people who don't like Trump to vote for him last time is that he would put in judges that they like. Mm. So this is a very clear indication that if you're like a middle class suburbanite, relatively normal, not insane, racist, frothing at the mouth MAGA person. But you're also a conservative and you're not happy with how you think America is going. You will go, fuck it. I'm going to vote for him again so he can replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg with somebody that I agree with. Because I know Joe Biden won't. So I can put up with all the bullshit 
in exchange for this very, very clear political goal, which might be like if 100,000 people in the swing states make those decisions, that could do it. Yeah. So that's why. Oh, it's going to be an interesting few weeks. There is a good chance as well that there isn't enough time left for the Republicans to force someone in. Right. And if that's what the next six weeks become caught up with, I then Joe Biden might not get any any time or platform to to point out how bad Trump is because everyone's looking at the fight going on in the Senate, which could be a good tactic by the Republicans as well to Oof. distract from the like almost distract from the fact that Trump is so awful because we haven't heard about him in six weeks. But yeah. Trump is his own. Cunt. I don't know. He's his own. Is just like he's a fucking. He's a hurricane of madness. So who knows what he'll throw out on his own? Yeah. Um, oof, oh boy. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about our sponsor this week. Steve, you know him, you love him. It's their last time visiting us here at, at One on Politics. It's the UX Design Institute. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. So this is the last time you'll be hearing us talk about it. So let me just reaffirm this as much as I can. UX is like, if you go and learn UX and learn UX well, it is like learning the like what's the hot new language mandarin it's like learning mandarin <laughs> like it will serve you so well because it's esperanto it's, it's, yeah it is Klingon. it is it's yeah it's all these things and more um it is we've said it before it's the mixture of science and art and it's the practice of how we make great software and apps and websites and steve i don't know if you noticed but those gosh darn things are just everywhere nowadays and they need to be good they need mm. to look good, they need to perform well, and they need to be understandable. And all of that knowledge doesn't just, you don't just look up a Wikipedia page on it. It requires, like any skill set, good education. And in these remote times um, where, you know, meeting with Annie Morden, a handful of people, could almost spell certain death, then <laughs> get, being able to get a, a high quality qualification like this online is just an absolute godsend. So the UX Design Institute is built from the ground up to be an online platform, an online learning resource. So they're already good to go. And I know firsthand how efficient they are. Uh, they've got You've got your webinars with professionals once a month. You have Slack channels where you can chat with your, col- with your um, fellow classmates. You have uh, assignments with, with resource portals and efficient grading and feedback. And the whole thing just runs like a well-oiled machine. And like I said, it's the, it's a, will stand to you so much because so many great jobs out there are based around UX, well-paying jobs, jobs that you can do remote, jobs that, you know, are exciting and that exists across a bunch of fields, including like medicine, you know, when we talk about the pandemic and, and stuff like that, the, the, it's, it's a real kind of industry transcending practice and subject. And it's really like exciting. architect for the internet. They really are, really, really are. And the thing is, like, if you feel like, oh, I, I can't do, I've never designed something before. I've never, you don't need, you don't need to be a designer to like, just give it a go. Your main thing really is, I would say, like curiosity. If you're curious about how stuff works, then you're away, then you're, you're good to go. That's all you need to get started. So if you feel like this sounds like a good fit for you, then head over to the UX Design Institute. And there's a link in our show show notes, uxdesigninstitute.com forward slash what am. Um, click on that link to get started and I promise you, you will not regret it. You won't. It's for sure. That's for sure. Do we want to do a, another, a little shout out, a little family a little shout, shout out. out? This one isn't so much an ad as like, a, oh, hey, hey, buddy, why don't you go talk to our friends over there? Because they're cool, too. And they, and they think you're cute. 
You shift my mate. <laughs> you shift. You shift my mate. Really? Man, for for people who don't, do you want to explain what shifting is for people who don't know? Uh, kissing. It's kissing. <laughs> girls and boyses and boyses and boyses and girls and girls is kissing. And boys and boys and kids, yeah. All the people. You know, as Blur said, boys who are girls who go girls who do boys. Anyway, it's a... Uh, boys who shift boys who shift <laughs> girls who shift boys. Shifting is... Girls don't that? shift boys, girls shift cars and money. <laughs> well, you can't shift a car. You should if you're driving. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. you'll just be at high rev for a long time. That's true. Unless it's an automatic. And you shift money around the place as well, as we will talk about it when we eventually get to what the show is about halfway through. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but anyway, what yeah, I'm talking sorry. about is yeah. what I'm talking about is head stuff. We are part of Ireland's largest podcast network, and we are taking the time to call out the amazing slate of shows that we have. Mm-hmm. This episode in particular, we are going to play you a quick ad from I Know That Face. Let's let them tell us what it's about. Hello everyone and welcome to I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Portia. My name is Andrew Carroll. Character actor is a supporting actor who specialises in playing unusual, interesting or eccentric characters. For whatever reason, these performers are less concerned with being stars. Because of that, they often take supporting roles in big movies or only play leads in indie films or TV. They're less concerned with their image. They can bounce between heroes or villains. They're chameleons and they often disappear into each role. So you might know the faces, but you might not know the names. So subscribe to us wherever you keep subscribed for podcasts and be on the lookout for that to come. And until then, uh, see you later, cinephiles. Bye-bye. Who's your favorite character actor? Oh my god, Who? I love this question. I love yeah. I love character actors. They are just the bestest of the best. Yeah. I think Michael Shannon, just because of his <sighs> face. He's he's a perfect I know that face. Yeah. It's like he's in everything and he has that voice. And it's like he when you're watching him, no matter what the context is, even if it's like a family drama and he's the goofball, it's like he did something. You did something to him and he knows. Yeah. And he's gonna get you. Yeah. He's got like those. He's got madman eyes, like um, like he's constantly being squeezed too tightly around the midriff, and his <laughs> eyes are just like, like just he's just like a little bit ten percent too much squeezing, and his eyes are just showing that. I'm holding in a fart. That's I exactly might. it. That's the. What? The... <laughs> well, who's yours? Uh, I really like, really, really like Carl Urban because he's and he's one of the. He's I think early on in, in I know that face. He's one of the actors they talk about. Uh, do you know who I'm, who Carl Urban is? For a second, I got confused, and I thought you were talking about Carl Weathers from Rocky. No, <laughs> but no, 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 no. You're talking about Carl Urban from New Zealand. And, yeah, yeah. So his uh, most Lord of the thing. Rings fame. Yeah, exactly. He's Aomer in Lord of the Rings. He's in The Boys. Uh, he's lead in The Boys, which is you know he's he's usually like a really in really big blockbuster movies a supporting role. That's like been his thing. He was in Star Trek reboot. He was in like we said Lord of the Rings. Uh, he was in Thor Ragnarok. Oh yeah, he, yeah. He just and he just he's very good at just blending in to whatever that world is, and to the point where you're not even fully sure if that's him or not. But he, and he, he's fucking phenomenal in everything he does. To the point that he played Judge Dredd and never took off the helmet. Mm-hmm. And, but you're still like, oh, who's that guy? Who's who's that guy's jaw? <laughs> I know that, that jaw. That's a great. Chin. I, I know that chin. I yeah. know that growl. It's a great movie as well. If you haven't seen it, I don't think everyone got to see it. It wasn't a smash hit, but it's a really no. good movie. But I think you not seen about, it? I love it. I think it's yeah. great. Yeah, and they're, they're turning. Um, they're trying to turn it into a, a TV series about the different oh, judges. Oh yeah, that he and might d- jump in and out of. of anyway, um, should we talk about our subject? We may as well. We've we been here long well. enough. Oh my god, we're so far into recording. Jesus Christ. Okay, let's do this really quickly, Steve. <laughs> What on GDP? No, before we get to that, this is, 
We said we would do this. This we are good at following through in our word. I think it was because of a hot take. Uh, the a hot take from a while ago where I talked about how uh, COVID is just and the pandemic is just showing how bad we are at doing everything that, you know, um, one of the big issues was, you know, people being so obsessed with measuring things, not by how happy and healthy and secure people's lives are, but by um, how the economy is performing. And that is a bad metric. Bad that way metric to do in question is Giddip. Giddip. It's, it's can we call from this point on can we call GDP giddy up giddy up <laughs> be faster <laughs> what's um, name of your horse GDP GDP <laughs> why giddy up giddy up so uh, what, Steve what am GDP gross, dom- gross domestic product is what it stands for and it is the total this is the OECD um, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of acronyms so, in this so many episode. fucking you cannot explain an acronym by immediately using another acronym this is what this is gross domestic product and the OECD who are the organization of economic something somethings they're like a big group of countries that like counting stuff is the total monetary or market value of all the finished good and services produced within a country's borders in a specific time period so right. it's all the stuff all the stuff that people make and do like but not Funko all Pops stuff. yeah Funko Pops would be part of it like podcasts no <laughs> you gotta make money from something for it to be counted on this <laughs> maybe like Joe Rogan <laughs> uh, nobody else actually well, maybe not we're gonna get into that later GDP has a lot of holes and one of them is the digital economy um, um, it is a broad measure of overall domestic production and it basically functions as a scorecard of a country's economic health right or okay. so they say right and this is this is the bar that politicians and economists use to judge how well, quote unquote, well, well, a country, a country is, is doing. doing. Yeah, it really has become the main metric for discussing success of countries. We're always talking about a country's percentage growth over a year. And if a country has got a high percentage growth, it's like, woo, go you. If it's got a low percentage growth, it's like, oh shit, there's something wrong there. Bullshit. I really don't like this. And I know this is like my like liberal, snowflakey, ideological, uh, what about our feelings? Type <laughs> what um, percentage is my happiness? Just, but just, yeah, like, I, I guess it's so fresh because the, like, you, you know, a few weeks ago about the UK going into um the worst recession on record after two consecutive quarters of, of negative growth. And people like are going, this is, this is awful. This is really bad. I was like, yeah, these people are fucking dying. Like, it, it, yeah, it's not ideal, but like how much attention it got as like, this is so, this is all, 2020 is awful. It's like, no, people are dying and can't leave their homes. This is, of yeah. course, was going to happen. Sorry. Yeah. But, 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 just because the guys in suits that read the Financial Times are, are blethering on about it, how much, how, how their profits are going to be down in X quarter, there is, the, it can show important things. For example, when America goes into a recession, there is a correlated quantified number of people that will die because America is poor. Yeah. So it, it it is, it can be a measure of things and it is worth pointing out sometimes that recessions are bad, but you don't have to get too racked up in it because yes, obviously the world is going to go into a recession when we lock down, but we're making that choice because the alternative is awful. Yeah. So 
it's uh, gives and takes. Um, anyway, Steve, where where did this come from? Where did this where did Giddy this Up come from? Giddy Up. So they had the Great Depression back in the in the twenties and thirties, and the U.S. Congress kind of suddenly realized that they didn't know how to count what was going on in their country. They kind of <laughs> just they were just kind of judging by the feeling and the air. And it's like, <laughs> hey, hey, Joe over there in Wisconsin, how are you doing? And it's like, oh, I'm doing, I'm not doing so it's, good this yeah, year. It's a of like them going to the window and opening up like, hey, hey, Ma- Mark, what? <laughs> you good? No, mate, that was buying me off pies. All right, hang on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> Max <laughs> pies. No, good. Okay. Ooh, bad, bad giddy up. <laughs> bad, <laughs> the nation is in recession. <laughs> <laughs> Fire everybody. <laughs> Close the schools. <laughs> That shouldn't be so funny, but it is. Um, So US Congress um, put together a bunch of experts and one dude in particular came up with a good quantification in their eyes. A dude called Simon Kuznets. That's a good economist name. That's a very good economist name. He came up with what essentially became GDP. But it has to be said now, the inventor of GDP specifically called out in this report that countries should not use it as a measure of welfare. Which we forgot. <laughs> anyway, Uh-oh. someone's <laughs> but, like, "I'll write that down." The it was so successful that like they started using it in the U.S. during the um, during the Great Depression and the uh, New Deal, um, like the the work that FDR and his government did to try and rebuild America, pumping loads of money into the into the economy to get things started again. Um, they started using that really well in America, and then when World War II happened, America basically had a chance to rebuild the world in its image. Right. Because they won, well, half of it, the West half. <laughs> Russia, <laughs> Russia got the East half, but in the West half, yeah. um, they had all these meetings and stuff. And these these fellas that came, that rose up during the Great Depression, all these civil servants and wonks and economists, they were like, we want to use GDP to measure fucking everything. So they built the financial institutions. They want to measure fucking everything? <laughs> That's we're part of it. We're going to fuck everything. And we want to be able to measure we want to measure just how many things we fuck. Contemporary GDP includes illegal and illicit activities most of the time. So prostitution is a quantified part of GDP. So fucking Hello. is in there. Okay. Um, they they wanted to build like, so the, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, the UN, all these different things had GDP wrapped up into it. But I do, it is actually work on, it's not just America that did this. It was like the, the general Western feeling that this was the way to do things. Um, Keynes, who people may know off the top of their head as the big famous English economist dude who was part of this as well. He was a big fan of it as well. So cool. it's not just America's fault. Right. But it's mostly America's fault. But it's mostly America's fault. Uh, so that's where I came from. But like, who's who's actually doing it? Like, who's measuring it? And what exactly are they, so, are they measuring? Who is different in every country, which is a bit of a problem. So in America, they have a specific Bureau Bureau of Economic Analysis. So they're the ones that go and count the economy every quarter and tell everyone what it is and then do like a national super summary that year. And then they also have teams that are going back and recounting and they have one big bureau for that. And then in Ireland, we actually, it's part of our central statistics office. So it's the guys that count everything are counting that as well. And the UK use something like that as well. But the problem is, is that some countries can't be trusted because I'm pretty sure in Russia, it's like Putin's pet duck that gets to decide what the GDP is that year. It's like, 
And then Greece were infamous for just making it up. And we'll talk about that more later. Um, China, it's you're not sure if their numbers are reliable. People are always going in and double checking. But like if if the Chinese government release a figure as to what their GDP is, it's nigh on impossible to get someone in there to to do yeah. a proper account because they don't have access to all the data and stuff. You can try and guess by all these different metrics of trade and activity and counting things, but you can't be sure. Do you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of back in fifth class in primary school, Mr. O'Connor, when we, we used to do our spelling tests every Friday, we'd all have our little notebooks. He'd, he'd, you know, say a word and we'd have to spell it out. We'd all hand up our notebooks and then Mr. O'Connor would grade them and give us back, give them back to us. Mr. O'Connor got to a point where he just wasn't having any more of our shit and he just made us grade our own uh, spelling tests. And oh my God, it nearly tore our class apart because no one trusted anyone. And like all of a sudden people were getting 20 out of 20 left, right and center. (laughs) And it nearly tore the foundation because no one like, it's it's like you're being asked to grade yourself if there's no standardization across the board. Yeah. And there was definitely... Owen Deering was fucking um, Russia in our classroom. <laughs> so he was. Does he listen? I hope not. I haven't <laughs> thought about Owen Deering in probably 14 years. Do you want to take a moment? Owen, what's his name, Owen Deering? Oh, Bone Rearing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, there was a fair few rushes in that class. It's worth, uh, yeah, I don't want to like totally diss because there are people who make entire careers out of being GDP analysts. There are like thousands of people that do this job professionally. And like I said, there are international bodies who basically their full time job is making sure that these figures are right in places where they are counted. But Mm -hmm. it's just too complicated. There's just too many different facets of human interaction that have to be counted in this thing. There are going to be mistakes. More complicated than the spelling test. More, a little bit. Than the fifth class. (laughs) A smidge. Own Deering. May not have done so well. In- I mean, one of them was irrelevant. I can't spell irrelevant now. How many R's are in there? Three? 15. I don't 15. know. Irrelevant. Irrelevant elephants. Um, Eleven but elephant elephants. Hello. <laughs> uh, we mentioned already that uh, when a country is in negative growth for two years, or sorry, for two quarters in a year. Two consecutive counts, quarters, is it? Two consecutive it quarters, yeah, yeah. Two consecutive quarters. It counts as a recession. So pretty much everyone in the world is in a recession. But in the 90s and early 2000s, before the world got really, really screwy, we kind of had this like high of like, oh my God. The Western world has beaten the Soviet Union and we're all amazing. And look at China. They're liberalizing and becoming more economic and they'll become democratic. And this is the way things are going to go. So let's just focus on money and making money. And that's how it is. We became fucking obsessed with economics and GDP and percentages and stuff to the point that like any hint of a recession was like there was enough to throw everybody off. Like, there's not that many people that concerned with the fact that we're in a recession right now because Mm -hmm. we've got these other factors. There was recessions that have come up and down during, like, the wars and uh, wars on terror and stuff in the 2000s that probably were a bit bad, but, like, didn't end up being that big a deal. It was only when we came to the big financial crunch and crisis that recessions came on the times again. But if you remember in the West Wing as well, there was a gag in one of the episodes that the the country was heading into a recession, but you Mm. weren't allowed to use that word. Right, yeah. It was like, it's bad luck. It's a bit taboo, yeah. So they called it a bagel instead. Yeah. Uh, So can we talk for a bit about what's wrong with GDP? Because I feel like I've got a a lot of strong emotions inside me about why I don't like it. Yeah. But I feel like I don't have enough, and this is a very common problem, 
I don't feel like I have enough of a vocabulary around why I feel this way. <laughs> like, Steve, help me understand my feelings about why I think this doesn't work. It's not a real thing. Economic activity isn't something that you can accurately measure. Like, think about it. It's not, the, the economics calls itself a science, but what is an economic activity? It's not a temperature. It's not speed. It's not like something moving from one place to another and then you can accurately 100% measure how long it took to get there. Or right. even if you're like counting, if you're, if you're taking the temperature of a person, body temperature, that is a solid thing. It can't yeah. be wrong. It is true. But like, that's not what this is. And like, oh yeah, it's, it's also like, you know how scientifically proven how shit that movie Tenet was. Like, these are just facts. Everyone Wait, knows it. Hold on. You can't just make claims like this. It's awful. It's so bad. Is it? I yeah. haven't seen it yet. I'm too scared. I mean, I'm back in London now and everything's scaring me and particularly going into a cinema. So I haven't gone to see Christopher Nolan's latest magnum opus. I yeah, teeny, I went to the cinema. Teeny T, <laughs> teeny tenity. It it uh, going to the cinema in Dublin is relatively okay. Pretty much every row is given to just a couple, and then oh, okay. like if you go onto one row, then the people behind you have to go into the other one. So it's kind of like a zigzag up the way through the auditorium. Mm. So it felt relatively safe. Um, but the movie was bad. It wasn't worth it. <laughs> oh. If I had got COVID, it would have been like, oh, well, fuck it. At least it's not as bad as watching that movie. Oh, wow. Jesus. It, yeah, it actually like, it has made me... You re- know Christopher Nolan's my dad? You know my last name is Nolan? Yeah. He's my dad. All right. So I'm That's why you can never that. talk about what he does. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher Nolan's not my dad. I never he's made my, that association about how you have the same surname. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like... You're Richie, but this is Christopher Nolan. This is Chris- <laughs> yeah. I never I like earned the Nolan name. Well, like yeah, it's just like oh, I refer to Richie as Richie, but I, uh, you never refer to Christopher Nolan as Mister Nolan or Christopher. It's Christopher or, Nolan or, or Chris. Chris. <laughs> well, especially after what I said about his latest movie. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, it's like try. There's all these different variables that you need to take into account. So, like, granted, you can take the temperature of one thing pretty easily. So, like, to say, oh, I can study how one company has done over a year and then get facts as to how that worked. But when mm-hmm. you're trying to count it for absolutely fucking everything, how can you be sure you're capturing all the data? It's just not accurate. It just can't be done. Right. That's that's my problem with economics as a general whole. <laughs> <laughs> but then... When you come to political problems with GDP, there's a thing in GDP called the production boundary. They actually draw a line in the in the sand of human life and they say everything on the left of this is economic activity. Everything on the right of that isn't. But sure, who gets to decide when that, where that line is? Wait, I don't, I don't understand. Hold on. What's, what does that mean? So it's like the production boundary. It's like we don't count things that are on the right side of the production boundary. Like, I mean, I mean, as in one left, one right. On each side of it. On this side of the production boundary, we're not going to count that as economic activity. That will not count towards a country's GDP. So you have things that like uh, working in a household, like being a, being a carer to children doesn't count as economic activity. So it's not counted in GDP. Oh, right. Okay. Like those kind of things. So it's like yeah. caring, the caring economy, looking after relatives, all sorts of things are not counted. Like I know maybe you shouldn't count things like charity, but you the activities of a charity aren't counted because they're not profit-making things. Sure. But they could have massive impacts on society. Massive positive <laughs> impacts on society. Massive positive income, but they're just not counted. So if a country is doing really well on that scope, it won't be counted towards the GDP and they may be summarized as doing bad. It yeah, also, so if a country's got incredible like char- charity initiatives and efforts and also it's got a very strong caring economy, Bullshit. Those things don't count towards how we're qualifying how good this country's performing. Yes, exactly. 
Bollocks. It also counts, and I I don't know why, it counts illegal activity. Drug dealing, prostitution. They try and quantify those things now. Is Mexico a massive powerhouse of economic activity in the world? So if there's a lot of like illegal drug sales that they can quantify, that counts towards a stronger GDP? Yes. Bollocks. (laughs) Just, just shit and piss that's... Let's talk about environmentalism. I know you. Yeah, that, why that, not? Let's talk about that. It doesn't. It's not. It's not, it, it. It can't fit into TDP quantifications. Let's take fracking for an instance. The the some of the states in the United States in the plains, like the North Dakota and places like that, have had economic booms because of fracking because people yeah. have been drilling in the ground, shooting a bunch of chemicals and water and shit in there, and pumping up all this gas and making a fuck ton of money off it, and that counts mm. as good. Just yeah. good in GDP terms. There's no quantification to how much gas is left is there and how long that will last. And there's absolutely no quantification as to what damage you're doing to the world in terms of like even just in the local environment of all this fracking bullshit, but also yeah. in terms of burning carbon monoxide and sending it into the air and killing everybody. None of that is quantified. Jesus. They're like literally f- fucking the planet with their fracking. With their fracking. The two words are very similar, probably yep. for a reason. <laughs> and, and they're like, this is this is good. What this we're is, doing now is good. It's um it, it, like it oh, how do you talk about it? it? Like after a natural disaster and most wars, GDP booms happen. Why? Because you're rebuilding and that's economic activity that counts towards GDP. So like Christchurch in New Zealand after their big earthquake had a mini fucking on paper economic boom because they had to rebuild all the buildings that fell over. But people weren't happy. It wasn't a good thing. Oh my God. And you get, yeah, it's like even after massive recessions, you can have mini booms, but if you're just grabbing back onto what you've lost before, it doesn't count as good. That's That's the Irish case. Also, how do you quantify the services the Facebook and Google provide if it doesn't cost anything. Oh, kind of like the intangible, there's no hard and fast product. There's no, there's li- there physical, is no physical product. Yeah, or not even physical, but there's no transaction. I don't pay anything to Facebook for using their thing, but you could be for goddamn sure that they're taking something from me. Yeah. How there's, we- there's the general rule, I think, is like if your service is free, like if you're availing of a free service, then you are the product. You, you are, are the, the commodity. Yeah, you are the, like you, you are being used in that instance. And the problem with this is that the only way that economics can, can properly, can, can even clutch at quantifying what that counts as is by inflating their, their market share. So you have Apple at the like cost of 2 trillion. Actually, Apple's not a fair one because they actually make things. But like Facebook or Google... Their like their market value is just assuming that eventually someone will figure out how to put dollars onto onto the end of what they're doing. Yeah, it's really complicated. It is extremely complicated. It also doesn't take into account the quality of the work that people are doing. So you could have somewhere like Spain, where massive amounts of young people are unemployed because Spain has got pretty rigorous and strict um, employment regulations, whereas in the UK they have relatively good youth employment. But people could be working zero hour contracts for a really shitty employer and having an awful time. I'm not yeah. so sure about that one because I guess which is worse? Neither of them are good. Um, yeah, neither of them are good. Yeah. Um, but in both cases, GDP isn't the solution. Well, no, it's because you see, it should never be sold as a solution, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so is there like, <laughs> these are a lot of things wrong with it. I'm very reluctant to ask this question, but is there anything right with it? 
Like, does it, what does it do well? There is a utilitarian argument to be made. So utilitarian being like the the old economic, the old political theory that all we should all do what is best for the whole, the community as a whole. So it's it's the principle of like a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. If a GDP, if a country's economy is going up, it will eventually raise everybody up. And to a certain extent, you could say that China is an example of that. The difference of China to how it was in the 80s is astronomical. They have completely zeroed in and focused on building up their economy in GDP terms. And right. it has lifted hundreds of millions of people out of poverty. And yeah. uh, and maybe it, just thinking about human fallibility, if the, 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 the rulers of China hadn't focused so much on doing that, they may not have had they may not have had, had such success. But then you can just flip back to say at what cost? <laughs> like, yeah, that's China the thing. is it's like the, there are ghost cities around the place just built for the sake of building them. There are literal concentration camps. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the, that's actually not part of it. <laughs> OK, that's like, yeah, that's just China being a shit autocratic and awful place like Russia can do that, too, without having a good economy. There's like but they have huge inequality and corruption. They've got massive environmental problems. It's like there's all these con- costs and consequences. Is it worth it? Yeah, there we, we talked about in our Operation National Sword thing, they're literally accepting in um, rubbish from around the world, or they were up to a point, and people, you know, that's causing environmental problems in their country because they're becoming yeah. a garbage dump for the whole world, um, which again, I guess, isn't quanti- quantified in GDP. Yeah, I'm not against like a strong economy lifting up a bunch of people, but it's just the, the idea of all of the other things that, that aren't being factored in. You know what I mean? So I have no problem with like China lifting up hundreds of million people because they have a strong economy, but... They could do it better. They could do it better in terms of... And we could all do it better in terms of, you know, quantifying success across even just a few other metrics would be great. (laughs) Maybe one Um, one other, please. (laughs) uh, Like, ultimately, though, does all of this matter? Like, how how does GDP actually, like, affect the the real world? It's like, yeah, because we're going back to the actual concept of GDP and does it actually matter if we're just talking about numbers on spreadsheets? Yeah, exactly. Like if if GDP as an acronym and a practice didn't exist, you know what I mean? How would it affect things? If it didn't exist, I don't want to talk about that because I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> but because it does exist, I can talk about that. Sure. Um, it can be used to trick people. So Greece made up their GDP records for many years so that they could trick the EU into letting them join the euro. And I wouldn't actually say trick because the EU never believed them. The uh, Central European Statistics Office Eurostat would not approve the Greek numbers, but it got overruled all the time by the politicians in Europe because the idea of having a cohesive European community to them was more important than having accurate figures. And, and this is Owen Deering all over again. Me just <laughs> trying to rat out Owen Deering and then Mr. O'Connor going, look, I don't care. <laughs> my, 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 my total stats are up. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was a cost to that because it turned out that Greece was built on a massive house of sand. And whenever the, the shove of the, of the economic crisis happened, it, it fell apart and they're still struggling to get their shit back together. But they never learned their lesson. They're actually, no. oh my God, There's I, I came across this case of a dude called um, Andreas um, Giorgio, I think his name is. He was mm. a really, really intelligent, articulate and noble Greek uh, accountant. I didn't think he would put that those three um, adjectives onto an accountant. No, I wasn't expecting that accountant <laughs> at the end. He 
tried to submit accurate data on behalf of Greece to the European Union. He got fired and then was tried for treason and was found guilty in 2017. Oh, the poor man. <laughs> I think oh. I think he got a two year suspended sentence, but equally like to have to go through all that is mad. Oh, my God. And I don't want to just be swinging at the Greeks. I mean, as an Irish person, I can absolutely say that we have totally fucked this up. So we had our Celtic Tiger boom. We totally focused on the idea of property, property prices and property development surging our GDP up through the, up through the air. So we actually had we had a genuine economic boom before that in the 90s and, to, and early 2000s, where we moved from a really poor country to a relatively well off country through just general developments and increase in productivity and all that kind of stuff, less unemployment. But then we wanted to keep it going. So we focused everything on on property and then sure, whenever the feckin' carpet got pulled under that, it all fell down and we're still mm. paying for that. We we had to get bailed out. We it cost more than more more money than anybody could ever imagine until it yeah. became so easy to talk about one hundred and twenty billion dollars in Euros without thinking <sighs> about it. So yeah, the, the and the the reason that Ireland let that happen is that Fianna Fáil who were in power were using this GDP figure this increase in growth of like 6 and 7% every year to say look at how well we're doing vote for us again and then because they kept on getting re-elected they were like oh we need to make sure that we f- choose policies and, and different things that will help increase GDP and burst us up and the electorate kept on rewarding them so they kept doing it yeah Again, because it's just such a, it feels like such a, I remember when we did our episode on, um, bloody hell, oh, fuck, with your, with your former lecturer. Oh, uh, Aidan Regan on Capital. Yeah. When we, when we did our, our episode on Capital and he spoke a lot about the lack of imagination. Yeah. And so many of the problems that we talk about can come down to that. The yeah. idea of a, a lack of imagination. That's a very singular kind of tunnel vision-y approach to, uh, to, to, to politics and really just thinking more broadly, and thinking we, with a bit more political we need, imagination. We need to look into the infinite mirror of Steve's and blame ourselves for this as well. Because <laughs> blame we need to look into the infinite mirror of Steve's and blame every single ass one of those Steve's. <laughs> we voted for we vote for we continue to think of economics and GDP measurement of economics as being one of the main jobs of politicians, keeping that running. Mm. We do. And we do it without thinking. We think, oh, GDP is going up, therefore it's good. We vote mm. again. And then the politician is like, oh, I'm getting votes. I better keep doing it. And then they do it again. So yeah, okay, we can we can say, well, politicians are leaders. They're meant to be symbols that are better than us. But, you know, as we talked about so often, politicians are not. They're people no. and they will do mm. things to keep themselves in power. Yeah. How do we, is there a, be- like, is there a better way? I know we spoke about political imagination and that's all very well and good. Um, but is there like a tangible, actual thing we can, we can like alternative? Uh, no, not really. That's <laughs> <laughs> least I, your lack of imagination. imagination. We do, it is, data is good in a general sense. It is good to know what is going on. You need to be, you need to have facts and figures to be able to make decisions on yeah. on what you're going to do. You and, can't it, fix something unless you can measure it. It's exactly. Like common. So yeah. maybe we could fix the measures. Maybe we could have like GDP plus. Maybe we could look at what... <gasps> GDP extra. GDP extra. GDP premium. GDP plus. <laughs> uh, what, what if we, like, what if we added it up differently? What if we moved that boundary of production around to include things like homework and start 
giving real measurable benefits to other things that are not counted at the moment like maybe and then also make things that we see as being bad like the repossession of property of family homes as a bad thing maybe yeah. maybe those things can start being tipped that's up a, and down yeah that's a negative those are negative points. those are negative points maybe we can yeah. yeah even like what if credit card debt was considered a negative point if a country mm-hmm. had massive credit card debt what if that was like rolled down as 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 showing it being bad because we didn't notice that before the last massive recession that all these people had all this personal debts and then when it came to it they couldn't afford to pay it back so start to take time and start to remeasure and start to do those things unfortunately yeah. it's going to take decades of like smart people looking at these things and coming up with incomprehensible reports and we'll never really do it but in an ideal world it'd be nice <laughs> that would be nice and also and do you think go on i was gonna say do you think this pandemic will act as somewhat of a catalyst if not for the um change itself but the the wakening up that this is wrong like so not to necessarily say oh to, you know next year now we're going to have a different measure but people will start to see i think that it's about society is about more than just the, the output the i think output. i think the i think the next elections are going to be a, an indication to that like i mean I don't know about the UK or the US because they have not handled their COVID that well. <laughs> their <laughs> their political parties have not done it well, but maybe in Ireland we have done it relatively well. Like, yeah, I would say that. We have taken measures in Ireland to 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 lock down and hurt the economy in favour of stopping people from dying. So maybe when it comes to the next election, if Ireland has had a really rough couple of years of economic stagnation and negative growth, we remember the government did things to not have the country fall off a cliff. Yeah. But then I don't also want to condone re-voting for this government because they also really annoy me. So I don't, yeah. it's a mix. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it maybe even it's not about, like, it's about the, like, I'd be, so, I'd be very, very interested to see the, ma- the new manifestos that would come out in that election year and how much waiting is put on stuff like healthcare. Mm. Um and like the 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 um frontline workers and support like that kind of thing I th- stuff. Yeah, like, I think because that will that I think that will be an, an indication of the like a sea change. Yeah, if we stopped concentrating so much on the idea that oh we are going to have X economic policy to increase the GDP by X percent. Yeah, yeah. If we start, and it's like oh there's still maybe a bit of that, but also we want to see like X percent increase in our you know healthcare capacity, or you know we want to see mel- uh, mental health services increase by you know from 6% to 14% and blah, 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 blah. I'd be very interested to see those because I think those are like the small changes that could signify the the spark that might light a bigger fire later on. Yeah. Um, I think if anything, yeah. what we can learn from COVID and what we can learn from GDP and stuff like that is that we just need to stop letting politicians make this their central thing to judge them on because it because they have no power over it. They don't really control GDP. Like we are part of a massive inter interconnected global economy where any little domino push is going to cause a chain reaction down the end that'll hurt us and no one has any control over that. Mm. So like we shouldn't we shouldn't always consider that factor when we're voting for politicians. And I guess like that kind of has fallen off the wayside. It used to be the big thing in the two thousands and I guess that's when I grew up and became politically aware. So it's still mm. in my mind. But it other things have popped in and it, it's it's just to keep it in mind, let's not reward people for for things that they don't actually control. Let's keep in mind the things that they could fix and then judge yeah. them on that. Yeah. Uh, it also, I think that's very smart. It's also worth pointing out that we shouldn't use GDP to compare one country to another. So 
people like to hold up Germany as being a big economic success because they're a big exporter and their GDP is whatever and they're doing all this and then everybody should be like Germany. But how would that work? If everybody is exporting stuff, who's there to buy it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then also, oh, look at Saudi Arabia. They've got a massively successful economy because they're doing whatever. They're digging dinosaur goo out of the ground and setting it on fire. <laughs> Why would, like, we've talked about oil before. How is that a measure of economic and prosperity? So let's not say that everybody should be like X country or Y country because there's no real, there's, you can't use GDP to compare one country's success against another. Right. Just like Owen Deering's spelling uh, test results are no indication. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I won't be surprised if Owen Deering is going to be the the logo for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, fuck you, Owen Deering. <laughs> Uh, I want to give a shout out to a couple of smart people there uh, in particular. There's a lady called Diane Coyle. Um, she is an economist in Oxford or somewhere like that, some smart place. Um, <laughs> she is... She she looks at a lot of GDP and um, she's been involved mm. in um, in in government over in the UK as well. But she has rebuilt the the ranking system to take into account things like um, environmental protections for flood for for flood provision and wildfire and all these things that are turning out to be pretty fucking important. So that yeah. she would re re rank what countries are doing. And I guess I'm talking myself. I'm contradicting myself already because I'm talking about showing countries as rankings as being good, but. It is, this is a better way to do it if we have to do it one way let's at least do it better yeah that's fair that's all I got to say it? about GDP and I didn't yeah, say GDPR good. once even though I said it loads of times when I was thinking about this episode that was honestly one of my fears as well they're very different thing very different subject I don't um, even want to know what GDPR episode that would be <laughs> Jesus I, well, you didn't say giddy up as much as I would have hoped actually ah <laughs> uh, well uh, maybe the artwork for this episode will just be a horse uh, <laughs> There's no explanation. <laughs> Not even a horse, but like a photo of a guy in a stage horse suit. Two guys in a stage horse suit. God, will I do that? Oh no. If you can make it no, work. No one cares about the artwork anyway. <laughs> you care. I care. I it's care. Some, okay, we'll, we'll see. If you, uh, how it, do you represent GDPR with an image? We, <laughs> you did it. You did it. Oh shit. <laughs> so close. How do you represent GDP with an image? <laughs> I'm just gonna do a horse. Um, so uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, at one on politics on Instagram and on Twitter, one on politics at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, let us know what you think about GDP, and you tell us why you think it's bullshit. If you think it's good, just fine. Don't we don't hear from you? Uh, no, we do. We want to hear all all angles and perspectives. Um, we also want to hear it, about what's going on in your own political world. We got a shout out from Bella down in Australia, telling us about yeah. a campaign she's involved in, and we were happy to retweet and send it out on Instagram. So not necessarily that you have to come to us with an activity or or some sort of campaign you, you want us to help but um if you just want to talk to us about what's going on in your area we're happy to talk yeah it's always nice to hear like regional political stuff because you know we're so saturated with um you know what's happening to us the election or yeah that kind of thing we didn't even but talk you know, about what, brexit we didn't even talk about brexit oh fuck yeah no let's not talk about brexit but what's going on in what's going on in kuala lumpur kuala lumpur i like saying yeah. that i just like saying kuala lumpur kuala lumpur yeah like i and anywhere anywhere and everywhere what, what so even just weird local stuff that would, that would be great to hear about um uh you want to buy us a beer 
We're quite thirsty. Whatonpolitics.com forward slash beer. Also, whatonpolitics.com forward slash drugs redirects there. I never mentioned that from our drug from our drugs episode. Do you want to buy some drugs? <laughs> Richie's mom. <laughs> There's a caveat. It's all goes on beer. Um, beer's a drug. We established that. Beer's a drug. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, so you can head over there if you do want to buy us a beer. We very much appreciate it. Um, also, maybe leave us a review. We... we uh, often forget to, to say that and um, believe it's a, a lovely review it would be nice on apple Podcasts would be or just absolutely swell share the show on whatever platform if it's spotify because that's all the rage now audible might be coming out with open podcast soon so whenever that happens oh, really? do that yeah exactly uh or just tell a friend in person um, but not in person because it's not in person just shout it from a distance but like a, yeah, a safe distance without too a many safe droplets. distance but wear a mask because actually saliva trans don't shout it <laughs> what are you doing stop that <laughs> um, oh Richie my old pies are sounding like hot cakes <laughs> now <laughs> no Mark what are you doing uh, second wave second wave is here apparently here in London yeah that's what Barra said oh it's a I got back just in time, thank God, <laughs> for, for cases to soar above 4,000. Fucking when I get, got to Kildare, Ireland, that, I was there just in time for a fucking regional lockdown there. Yeah. And Am I just cursed? You're cursed. You, you're bringing I it. Went to, when I moved to America, that's when all the Trump shit started kicking off. Moved to London for Brexit. You're, just everywhere I go. If you try and apply for a visa to Kuala Lumpur, they'll deny you. <laughs> they'll deny me. I think I just need to be shot up to... I would say put me on a rocket to the moon. Then the moon will fall into Earth's orbit or something. No, we're, we're going to save that for whenever Elon Musk tries to start his society up there. You're our... Uh, you're our... And the moon's already weapon. in Earth's orbit. What am I saying? <laughs> I didn't I didn't even catch you on that. I'm tired. <laughs> We've been talking about GDPR for too long. GDPR? Damn it. Ah, you're an idiot. Goodbye, Steve. <laughs> May. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. 